You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. The new diplomatic thriller, Oslo, tells the story of a Norwegian couple who guided the back-channel talks in secret negotiations between the Israelis and the Palestinians that led to the 1993 Oslo Peace Accords. Co-stars Ruth Wilson and Andrew Scott and director Bartlett Sher join Washington Post Live to discuss bringing this historic moment to life on the big screen. Let's listen. Hello, welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Ann Hornaday, chief film critic for the Washington Post. And what timing for the release of this HBO film, Oslo. We're thrilled to have our guest today, director Bartlett Shear, the theater director and now film director of Oslo, as well as the two stars of the film, Ruth Wilson and Andrew Scott. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Hello. It's great to see you. Um, Bart, I, I will begin with you because not only did you bring Oslo to the stage, but you brought it into being. Can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of this project? Um, yeah, it's a kind of a weird story, but um, my uh, daughter's uh, best friend in second grade was named Emma Rod Larson. And I met uh, Taya and Mona at school and got to know them through going to soccer matches and things like that. And it turned out to be a, a kind of story that um, I thought could make a good play and then introduced um, Taya to uh, JT Rogers and away they went and made a play. And then I would imagine at that, did, at that point, did you step out of the process or were you involved in the research and, and writing uh, process yourself? Yeah, so like all these things, when it comes to theater, we it became a very... Um, long-term process of workshopping. We did like four or five workshops, uh, both in New York and in Philadelphia. And we worked all um, across, we, we worked in two productions. We did a small production in what's called the Mitzi Newhouse at Lincoln Center, and then moved upstairs to the Vivian Beaumont where it was a Broadway production. And um, that turned out to be very successful. And from there, it it just kept growing and growing and, and doing it on the Upper West Side in New York was something we, we were, you know, excited to do, and it became, it became pretty successful. <laughs> I think that's an understatement, sir. Um, Ruth Wilson, tell us about Mona Yule. I hope I'm pronouncing her, her name correctly. Um, who is she? What drove her in this process? Um, well, we find her as a junior minister in the Norwegian Foreign Ministry. Um, her age at the time this all happened was around 32. Is that right, Bart? I think that was about her age. Um, but she was incredibly young and in this position, uh, married to Tarja, Um, And together they sort of thought there's another way to find an avenue through negotiations. There were these official talks going on, obviously, between the Israelis and the Palestinians, being mainly negotiated by the Americans and the Norwegians. and um, people higher up than her in the foreign ministry. But it was the two of them that felt these were stalling, these chat, these negotiations weren't really working. And there must be a better way to try and get these two warring sides into a room and to communicate in a better way. So it's kind of like, it's extraordinary, um, actually thinking about Mona, her age and how brave and um, brazen both these two characters were in a way to, act outside of the legitimate talks and find an alternative and the risks that they were taking alongside with everyone 
involved in the uh, negotiating talks around that table were huge. It was their livelihoods, but also uh, their lives were at risk. Um, so I think she's an extraordinary woman that um, is now still fully involved in the UN. And um, she's made it her mission throughout her life to sort of be someone that is helping create a more peaceful uh, or make a better world, basically, working for the UN and trying to sort of create political peace across the world. Um, so to play her and to have the opportunity to sort of step inside her shoes uh, was an extraordinary experience. Um, and in these, I didn't know about this. Um, I knew about Oslo, I knew about the Accords, but I didn't ever know about what really went on behind the scenes and the role these two people played in these negotiations. So for me, it was a completely eye-opening experience. Oh, you are not alone. I had no idea either. I think this, uh, to the degree that the play opened eyes, and I think this uh, film is going to just peel back this fascinating veil. You know, we read the term back channels, you know, in our news accounts all the time, but, but this is just such an extraordinary uh, dramatization of what that term can mean. And, and Andrew, I wanted to ask you about Taya, um, Rod Larson, your character, Mona's husband, Tell us about, I mean, it, I, I, I too was struck by Mona's age and, the, and that audacity of like, I think I know how to fix this or, or just that instinct that she seems to be moving from. So tell us what was, what was driving Taya during this time? Tell us about him. I think uh, he is a genuine risk taker. And I think what's so extraordinarily impressive about both of them is that they understand that uh, these people are human beings um, and I think we get I think so much of what happens in, uh, in the world when terrible things take place is that people are dehumanized and I think um, he's unafraid of the idea that um, these people are human beings so that there has to be a human way in which these conversations can happen and sometimes a very dehumanizing way of having a difficult conversation is by placing them in huge, uh, intimidating places, um, formal places. So the basic idea of prejudice not surviving proximity, that you should sit down with somebody and you should have good food, you should have an atmosphere that's convivial, um, and you put people um, around a dinner table or you give them a a glass of whiskey and you let them talk about what their experiences are as human beings and you, you look them in the eye you start by putting them together in a room where where they're where it hasn't been set up to intimidate but rather to communicate is something that uh it seems like a very simple idea but it's a very human idea and it's something i think that they that he understand greatly he, he understood greatly and both of them did but i suppose with him i do feel that he has an audacity which is to say the unsayable, um, uh, because with diplomatic talks, uh, of course, people are concerned with being diplomatic, and sometimes actually it's better to be uh, dogmatic. So I think that's um, that's why the two of them have different skill sets, but why they make such an extraordinary um, team, I believe, as 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 a married couple, but also as a as a as a, a dynam dynamic duo to play um, as characters. Yeah. Did you meet Taya? Spend time with him? It's a very purposeful choice. Um, 
Ruth will have something to say about 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 as well because it's something we talked about a lot because I think you want to do your work and um, you want to so what's the best way of approaching these characters and we wanted to um, uh, both of us were very concerned with getting it, getting it right but actually what they are is facilitators and the story is about facilitating this 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 peace process so actually the story isn't really a biography about in fact there's very little personal dynamics in relation to um what the background of where they might have met or or what their own biography um as two individuals is it's really about their their talent and their abilities as um as facilitators so in that way as actors we kind of have to be uh, we have to facilitate the story um and so sometimes it's it's very important i think to meet real life people but in this one i think because of the very nature i think people will understand that once once you see the movie that actually it's important that we understand that, that what their obsession is certainly in this part of the story is to is 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 their work um and uh the most important thing but i think both for ruth and i was to really understand everything which is uh, was a, a a tall challenge about what the story is and who the who the who the big players um in the in the, in the peace talks were right yeah it's that feeling that I mean, it's a very present movie. It happens in the moment, and focus for us is really to be uh, understand exactly people, what was happening, the intricacies of what solution they had to find, what problems they were up against, and how they were going to find or solve that puzzle, and what was the next step. So it felt like a really present piece of performance in a way. Um, and you had to land right in the middle of these two, their, their relationship and their circumstance. It wasn't going to tell you, the, the film does not tell you what, like Andrew says, what happened before or what happens after. It's in a very specific moment in time in their lives. So we both had to land within that. Um, and it was really, again, about the machinations of the political play that was going on. And we had to understand that more than anything else. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating to be part of. I can imagine. And, and Bart, when it comes to your, not just Andrew and Ruth, but the entire cast and, and even the crew to some extent, to, to Andrew and Ruth's point, it's not, it's sort of in media rest, right? Like you're, you're there, you're in the middle of things. How important was it to, to tutor everybody in what was going on? I mean, did you have to kind of do a crash course in the events of the day and the history? And then creatively, then do you have to kind of pull them out? How does that dynamic work? Uh well, luckily, we had a ca the, the the cast for all the negotiators, Palestinian and Israeli, were all from the region. So they all had very, very, very specific and precise, strong feelings about um, about the the world, and all had. So when we did our very first reading of the piece, many of them were incredibly moved because they'd grown up in that time. They remembered also very well. So I think for all of us, we were learning as much from them as as I was helping them understand anything. They were teaching us all the time. They were very much in the middle of it. And they were, um, they were just an extraordinary resource uh, all the way through. Did you do, I mean, often, I know in theater, you know, we, you do trust building exercises and different exercises to create bonding. But was that, did that have extra challenges because of the circumstances and the cast and where they were coming from in their personal histories? Did you do any extra 
work well, around that? Know, What's that like? No, they all know each other. I mean, the, the Palestinians and Israelis all know each other. They all had experience, but some of them grew very close. Jeff Wilbush and Walid Zwater have become incredibly close friends. Um, I think they, they, they would challenge each other and they were tough with each other. Um, I think what was also true is we would fight a lot. Um, you know, I, I remember Egal Nayor really like being very, very strong with me about one particular scene. He plays a singer and um, he was right. And so there was a lot of freedom of conversation and we were all pitching in and changing things. And Ruth and Andrew helped me hugely with a lot of the structural things of it with different parts of it that we moved around and shaped. And I tried to keep the environment as much as I could as as open as possible for everybody to pitch in as much as they could because we were changing it every second as it went along. That's that's amazing because I mean obviously you'd taken the play all around the world certainly all yeah. around the country so I'm surprised to know that it did it, it was still in in dynamic a uh, state of change yeah. even at this yeah, late that's, time. That's partly the way I like to I, I think the only way you can work is if is if is if the people doing it have as many ideas as you do and if you are listening to those ideas as deeply as you can and allowing that to happen and especially if i'm in the presence of an extraordinary group of actors from the middle east who've lived through this experience i i have to be listening but i would i would try to be listening in any case but um and it's just a better way to work it feels like things are kept more alive it's a little scarier that way but it's uh i think it can make for a more alive more present experience. Um, Ruth, I couldn't help but note, this is not your first go around with playing a real life character. One of the most recent being your own grandmother in the wonderful series, Mrs. Wilson, um, that was just so spectacular. Um, so tell us a little bit about the responsibility you feel playing a real life person, whether they're living or dead, but um, as an artist, like when do you you immerse yourself, and then you have to kind of be ruthless? I would imagine in terms of saying no. Now this is a this is a separate thing that I I'm doing. Yeah, I mean it's obviously it's different for every project you do, um, depending on the material and the nature of the the writing itself and what it demands of you as an actor. Um, with my grandmother's one, I mean the the thing I felt very odd about with that was that I just couldn't remember the way she spoke. I was trying to I couldn't remember her voice which really annoyed me and upset me. Um, and it was actually a point at which I realized I'd had to let go of certain things of trying to recreate her. Uh, I had to sort of manifest her, just me being her and telling her story was gonna be enough. Um, but I, that it sort of upset me that I couldn't recreate that in some way. But I think that's always the nature of your job is that you are, you know, I'm not doing a replica, I'm not doing a caricature, I'm not doing, um, you're, you're manifesting a version, you're, interpreta you're interpreting something. And I always think that actors are like translators. They translate what's on the page into what's on the screen. And so they put their own spin on it, but they're enabling uh, a connection to the audience. How you get word to make it affect someone watching is to kind of have a translation of that. And that always involves a form of interpretation from yourself. So, yeah, it was to play my grandmother and to play real people is um, certainly my grandmother's a huge privilege and to step inside her shoes. And one thing I would say about this job and about Oslo in particular, but about our job as actors and the beauty of our job is that we have the ability to step into people's shoes for a split moment 
to try and understand for a you know moment what it might feel like to be someone else and to experience things that other people feel and do and why they might act in certain ways and you know that's in a way what the negotiators were doing in Oslo too they're like if you can have the imagination to empathize and to understand someone else's experience then that is the few steps to humanity and that's what we have that's all the, that's the only thing we have going for us um so i feel like as an actor and when you get to do that and that's a huge privilege and playing my grandmother was an enormous privilege because for me i got to understand so much more about who she was and by doing so who i was and in turn who my father was and everyone else so um yeah it's it's quite a privilege to be able to to actually be a real person or to sort of try and step in their shoes for a brief moment um so well said about how that empathic work of an actor does mirror a great degree of di diplomats and i've often thought sometimes when i'm reading about these negotiations that go nowhere or break down I wonder if what would happen if we if they sent in artists instead of trained diplomats, just because of that empathic work and those trust building extra, you know, those things that you all work with, that material of your lives is so helpful in terms of just getting to people's wants, desires, um, buried truths, you know. Um, and I, I I feel like this movie kind of gets to that. Andrew, Taya himself, I mean, part of diplomacy is performance, right? I mean, are you is is in addition to being a great consummate host, is Taya something of a of an actor himself? Oh, I think so. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, it's so interesting to hear Ruth, Ruth talking about that. I think that's so true. I think there's something about the ability to be able to say, I don't know, um, which is incredibly important at the start of any artistic or scientific or governmental process. I think I think you have to in some way um start with the idea of i don't know and that takes a certain degree of vulnerability and a certain degree of humility if you if you, we live in a world now where where we're required to know everything at all we're, we're sort of hyper vigilant about knowing everything and i think you have to say i don't know this um, and i think revealing your vulnerability in whatever way you can is very important and i think that's maybe relates to your point about artists because you're, you're required to make a fool out of yourself <laughs> for a living, you know, you have to make mistakes. Um, so, in relation to Ty, I think, I think he he's unafraid of making a joke. I think it's incredibly important, as certainly something that's very exclusive to human beings, which is the ability to be able to laugh at ourselves. Um, and there's this idea, I think, of virtuous people being kind of humorless. And I actually think the opposite is true. I think the idea of people, um, people who are certainly in my life, I feel like people who are have got a strong sense of humor, um, I, are have an enormous amount of empathy, as uh, as Ruth was saying. And so it also breaks down barriers, and it also it, it it teaches us how to communicate. So I think that's very much part of his personality. But I also think it's something that works as a as a uh, socially, and I think it's something that works in a diplomatic process because it, he says the unsayable, and that's that's um, so much of what 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 a diplomatic process and a negotiation is: is what do we say, and when do we say it, and how do we say it? So yeah, it's a performance. 
course it is. What do you say now and what do you reveal for later? And, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there, there, there's, um, there's, um, there's definitely a, a relationship there between um, um, facilitating and acting. That's well, and I do, I noticed you said on a podcast, I think it was last year, that acting without humor is bad manners. It's just not the way human beings are. And to, to your point. <laughs> no, I think that's true. Well, yeah, that's, that's, I, do, I do think that's true because I think, I think it's the combination of both. I think anything that's just without any degree of lightness, I just, I just think it isn't as truthful. Right, and I also think it's a it's a misnomer to think to your also to your point that moral seriousness equals humorlessness, right? I mean, that's I think that's a false. It's a, I've never bought that, and I and I'm so happy to hear that um, you and that Taya are waving the flag for that. It's it's hugely important. Bart, so you this is I think your first movie, if I'm not mistaken, is that right? The first one you've directed. Um, did you have any so as a theater director, I'm sure having seen lots of film adaptations of plays, were there things you wanted to avoid, uh, pitfalls that you've noticed along the way that you said, I'm not going to do that. And then either you did it or you managed to avoid the things you can't stand. I'm, I'm not sure I uh, managed to avoid anything I didn't do correctly. I mean, I, it, was a, it was a very, very intense experience. I think the, the thing about making a, a play is that it's very sequential. It's, it's somewhat similar to uh, to theater in to, to film in its overall structure, but film is very very different in every possible way. And all I could do is try and stay inside of what I knew best and apply it uh, as deeply as I could. I was lucky to have a, a a film which was built on scenes, real scenes. It wasn't a, a purely visual film, so I could stay focused on that part. And I had the support of Janusz Kaminski, who was who's like the greatest cinematographer in the world. So. I had help to understand how to see, but the main thing is really how to see and how to show focus in a completely different way than I'd ever thought about it before. And mm -hmm. so it was it was um it was a a a, a big journey, uh, to say the least. And it was also a great challenge. And especially the post-production process, which is also the the amount of things that you can change and shift and 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 rethink are so extraordinary with the toolbox that you make when you shoot the film. Uh, it, it turns out to be a pretty extraordinary art form. Wow, that, that's, and, and maybe I'll, I'll ask Bart, um, at the risk of, of uh, discomforting Andrew and Ruth, but can you tell us, a little, I've always been fascinated by the art of uh, stage acting and the art of screen acting. And now that you've experienced both, can yeah. you just sort of tell us a little bit about what's going on with an actor and a camera? Because it's, it's a it's a source of infinite curiosity to me. It's like, what is that alchemy? What is happening there? Can you, are you any closer uh, yeah. to being able to explain that? Um, well, I mean, the main difference between theater and film is scale. Um, because uh, in a theater, it might be 1,100 seats and you have to send the thought into a, in a much larger trajectory to get the same thought. Um, and then when you get into film, everything is absolutely minute and small and focused. So the thoughts vibrate, they seem to vibrate in a different way. Um, I was lucky with Ruth and Andrew because they were both exceptionally good at both. 
Um, they're both wonderful stage actors and film actors. So I was spending most of my time catching up with them in terms of the scale. So I had to just observe well to track and provide as much as I could in terms of pure thoughts. And then um, I think even, I think especially when it came to humor, because humor is manifested completely different in terms of scale uh, in film than it would be in, on stage. And it was, uh, they were both incredible and I was very lucky to have them in, in every way as I was uh, marching my way through seeing, but mostly for me it was an exercise in learning how to see everything differently. That's fascinating. I don't know, Andrew and Ruth, if you would like to tell us a little bit, how, how do you calibrate when you're making that shift? Um, I, I find the process, um, I mean, the process of approaching a character feels pretty similar in a way, um, but theatre for me is, feels always much more physical. It's a much more kind of all-encompassing experience. Um, and my whole physical being is used so much more, the voice, the body, everything, to express feelings, thoughts, story. Um, and film always does feel a lot more sort of intense and minimal and um, in the minutiae of thoughts. Um, but I don't know, I keep wanting to play with that. I think that it's not a set set of rules. And I think that actually it's fun to kind of push the boundaries on both sides and to um, keep exploring, actually. I, I think it's a mystery to everyone, actually. <laughs> For me, it's still a mystery. Oh, I've got you know. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest, I'm talking rubbish because I think it's every time you do a job, you're like, I, I'm not quite sure if this is working or if it's or what's being seen or, you know, it's always a mystery how it how the camera sees. Um, and I mean, I know Andrew, for both Andrew and I love doing theatre and we both do a lot of theatre. And for me, always, I get such a high from the experience of live performance and with an audience and that special connection you have of sharing um the the imagination actually with audience and actor on in a scale that's that's that grand like if 800 people can be watching you and you're all deciding to choose to tell a story and to believe in that story that's on the stage and that's kind of an extraordinary energy that um yeah isn't is like none other it's that i think the the the, the difficulty sometimes in film acting is your your imagination is constantly interrupted you know what's wonderful about being on the stage is that you're telling somebody a story and the energy of the audience is they're with you all the way and it's chronological and you're filming you know you're filming things sometimes and you're shooting act you're not shooting the scenes in order certainly you know there's people in fleeces holding a boom and you're supposed to be in you know, <laughs> middle of a forest, and uh, you know, or whatever, all those things that. So your the focus it requires, I think, to be a film yeah. actor, and um, it's, it's about it's about kind of holding on to the original story, and sometimes the original um, read through is kind of very important because you think it's nearly the only time you get to hear the story from start to finish. But I think, like Ruth is saying, I don't think there's there's rules. I feel like you know, a stillness on stage is incredibly powerful, and I think. Sometimes there's a there's a fallacy that's brought to young actors, which is that on screen you're just um, you know just, just don't do anything, which sometimes is true. But then also people have an extraordinary way in reality of, of expressing themselves. Sometimes people are very animated and 
Um, I don't know. It's exactly like Ruth was saying. It's it's sometimes it works, and you think, oh, that's that 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 matches the energy of the movie, and sometimes it falls short, and sometimes it's too big. And you just it's just a it's a it's 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 very much made a lot of the time. I think in in post production as well, which is difficult sometimes for us actors. <laughs> I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> Bart, and then and also to, to to Ruth and Andrew to the degree that you'd want to weigh in. Obviously, the events in Oslo are almost 30 years ago now. Sadly, they are utterly relevant today, as we know too well. Um, you know, often with these interpretive histories, we use the term spirit, right? It captures. It may not capture the literal tick-tock of events, but it captures the spirit of events. And so, I guess to all three of you. What spirit do you do you want this movie to convey? I I always feel that I read part of me feels that that the, the attempt was worthwhile. That the attempt of reconciliation, the attempt to sort of find common ground or common humanity is worthwhile, even if the results aren't what you hope for or don't achieve quite what you aim for the culmination of many attempts will change the status quo. And I think that what was, as I said earlier, about all these people that took this extraordinary risk um, to make to do these negotiations, they were risking it because they had to desire, the desire to change the status quo, to change what was the norm. And I sort of feel if we can only attempt, you know, that's <laughs> and hope and um, that's what I think the movie suggests and gives that impression. The attempt is worthwhile. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the idea that uh, the story is never over. Um, I don't know, I feel coming from Ireland and my mother's from Northern Ireland and the amount of turbulence that um, we've experienced in Ireland, uh, it gives me hope to a certain degree. Um, but, but the extraordinary um, thing about art and good art particularly uh it, it just in, in the process of making the, the film number one it's something that i learned from it certainly was uh just i feel so incredibly grateful to have met the people the actors that we met and um their extraordinary generosity of spirit um they're in no way uh different or other than um people that I, 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 artists and colleagues that I've met before, um, incredibly fun, passionate, caring, wonderful people. Um, and uh, I just adore the idea that, um, that art in its attempt, whatever you may think of the, the work we've made, the attempt is a, is a valiant one and that art is incredibly subjective. And so um, I, feel, I feel like the attempt to try and understand this and to continue to try and understand it will always be worth it. So storytelling um is not a frivolous undertaking um and uh we should keep telling the story because the story continues to emerge and it's not over yet the world still keeps on going so um i i do feel incredibly grateful to, to ruth and to bart but to all those amazing people that i got to to work with because i feel like i understand the situation that i uh really didn't uh, on a heart level before yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I also, if, if oh, you don't mind, I would say that um, 
that um, as, as much as the, the basic premise that, um, that uh, getting people into a room together and seeing each other as human beings is a huge thing. I think the thing I've learned over the last months of working and working on the film is that great leaders also make a huge difference. That, mm. that, that everything that happened with Oslo was possible because they brought these incredible people together and they all took huge risks. But also people like Rabin took huge risks too. And, and in the circumstances we're in now and where we find ourselves, we kind of rely on people to, uh, the, the courage it takes to seek peace is really extraordinary and really important. And I think that hopefully it will encourage people to see there are models for that. There are things that can, can help them see it a little bit better. Well said. Thank you all for being with us, Ruth, Andrew, Bart. Um, we're so happy to have had you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much. Oslo premieres this Saturday, May 29th on HBO. Tune in then. Um, keep tuning into Washington Post Live. We have a really busy full day today. At 1 p.m., my esteemed colleague, David Ignatius, will interview the former Washington Post reporter, now best-selling author, Malcolm Gladwell. Keep tuning in all day. We have more shows coming up. Thank you so much for joining me again. I'm Ann Hornaday, Chief Film Critic for The Washington Post. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.